And so I don't teach people how, uh, sales skills. I teach people story skills. Because stories can do the heavy lifting of persuasion for you. Tell a powerful story and you have the proper structure and the proper uh, plot lines and the proper characters to get people to envision themselves in the end result, which is consuming a product. Or getting it. You know, your product is actually. Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the personal development podcast for authors, entrepreneurs, and career professionals who are looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner. Joining me as always, you know him as the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all-around good guy, Ted Fells. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. So yeah, we know we're excited about today's episode. We're going to be talking about the seven essential stories charismatic leaders tell. This is definitely one you want to lead into. It'll help to amp up your influence and help you to really persuade, uh, have those conversations that tell the right stories to uh, persuade people uh, to make certain decisions. But before we go there, you need to know that this is not your everyday podcast. Try right. we, we do things a little differently around here. And I know we got quite a few people watching us live. You can watch us on YouTube. You can watch us on LinkedIn. You can watch us on Facebook by going to the 30-minute hour. Just type in the 30-minute hour podcast in those search engines, and there you will find us. Uh, as you know, this morning we did, thank God, it's Monday, and we talked about becoming undeniable. That's definitely one you want to go back and check out. Uh, give yourself a, a short weekly dose of inspiration. How to become undeniable, becoming undeniable. Make sure you check it out. Also, you need to know that on this coming Saturday, We've got our special coffee and conversation episode. That's where the members of the What Now movement get together and we talk about these topics to help to inspire you. Uh, this particular Saturday, we're going to talk about how to slow down so you can speed up. Definitely make sure you check that out. More details coming out on that. But that's going to be this coming Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. All right. So now let, let's get to it. The seven essential stories charismatic leaders tell. Again, that's the theme of our episode today. And our guest, he's the founder of the sales and marketing strategy firm, Strategy Peak Sales and Marketing Advisors. He's a 27-year veteran of the sales and marketing industry. He's the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Seven Essential Stories. Charismatic leaders tell the details how anyone can move people and mountains with the power of story. Please join me in welcoming to the 30-Minute Hour Podcast, Kyrian Therakan. Eric. Ted, thanks for having me on. My first in Clinton, Maryland. That's right. I live just a few blocks away from you down in Ellicott. I've been down there before. All right. Fantastic, fantastic. Welcome to the show. We appreciate the fact that you're 
joining us all the way from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. All the way up here, Great White North. Here we are, summer weather up here, the middle of uh, end of end of August. Right, fantastic. So I do want to give people the the backstory perspective. Uh, so back when you were attending the University of Alberta School of Business, what was your vision for your career at that time? Well, at the time, I was pretty confident I'd be going into the computer business. You know, this is the day, uh, days of uh, Apple and IBM. And I used to work in uh, computer land, you know, uh, while I was going to university and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it never worked out that way. You know, instead, I ended up uh, going straight to sales. And uh, uh, it was just a natural fit, love, fit, hand, fit, right? So it, it's been there for the last 35, 40 years. Fantastic. So it's interesting. Um, like most people don't have a clear vision for what they want to do at that time. You know, but then the, after trial and error, that's when they kind of, they figure it out. So it's like if you could go back and, and talk to that, that younger version of yourself, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give? Yeah, so uh, the question was, what advice would I give my 20-year-old uh, self? Yes. I've thought about this a lot, and I've given this answer a couple of times, more than a couple of times. And, you know, back in your 20s, you're trying to game the system. You know, you're trying to make things, you know, as right as can be, make the right decision for the right place, the right time. You can't ahead, right? The strategies, tactics, and all that kind of stuff. And it usually doesn't work out the way you thought it would. <laughs> mm. Now, you end up in a different place than you, than you uh, thought you might end up. And, you know, most people wake up in their 30s and their 40s and uh, think, hey, you know, I'm here. I don't know how I got here. There was a plan, but there's a lot of, it's not a straight line, it's a lot of zigs and zags. So the advice I'd give my 20 year self today, and I'm in my late 50s, is everything is going to be okay. Mm. So stop trying to game the system. You know, and just flow with what's in front of you. Have intention, but let, let the actual uh, current of the river carry you forward, right? Don't fight the river. It'll drown you. It, yeah, um, yeah. So, so I think sometimes the challenge is we, we want to have it all figured out yeah. in every step. Sometimes you just have to, like you said, you just trust that everything's going to work out and like, focus yeah. on what's what's directly uh, in front of you. So you're the founder of the sales and marketing strategy firm, Streak Peak strategy. Sales and Marketing. Strategy, yeah, Strategy Peak Sales and Marketing Advisors. Uh, what was it that inspired you to start this company? Well, it was uh, like a lot of things. It's an opportunity at the moment. You know, when I first got out of uh, university, I always thought I wanted to be a consultant. And, uh, you know, not knowing what that meant, what that involved, and like that, and not realizing I had no experience to be a consultant at 22 years old, right? And eventually got to the point where I had enough experience under my belt. And uh, the opportunity presented itself. Uh, I had just left a position, and I uh, left into and I had some clients, and I left into uh, just going on my own. Right, that was probably about thirteen years ago, something like that. And uh, I haven't looked back since then. And I've gotten myself involved in a number of other things in the meantime. But uh, that particular thing, you know, the funny part of it is that I always thought I wanted to be a consultant, and here I am as a consultant. No, it's not nearly as glorious as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you know, it's not nearly as exciting as I thought it was going to be. 
and certainly, you know, it's it's like a regular job. There's ups and downs, and you know, and at least you're autonomous for the most part. You still report to a client, that's your boss, right? You don't report to a boss and then a client, so that's always good. But you know, it is completely not the same kind of celebrity startup that I thought it was going to be when I was 22. Do not become a consultant, kids, if you want celebrity startup. It's not here. So that's interesting when you look at the consulting plan, like what was it when you were looking at it before that led you to believe it was like a celebrity startup thing? Well, you know, I think what the appealing part was that, you know, you'd come in, analyze the problem, come up with some brilliant strategy for execution, and they pay you high dollars of money to do that, to, to, to take that advice, and then laud you for the privilege of hearing your innate and, and stellar wisdom. And between all those things, that's sort of a celebrity type of stage, starstruck type of thing, right? And of course, you know, uh, the three of us have some aspect of consulting that we're doing, you know, in one way or the other. And that certainly isn't the case uh, on a day-to-day basis. What? So, yeah. might be the opposite of that a lot of times. <laughs> right, because I've, I've done a lot of consulting. I never remember feeling like it was celebrity, <laughs> a celebrity factor. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I do a lot of speaking. And uh, when you're on stage and things like that, and, uh, you know, it, it can be that. Or it can be a nerve-wracking experience. As well, right? But, uh, yeah, it's not always guaranteed. And, you know, the more cocksure you are about, you know, there's going to be an absolute slam dunk, that's when the knives come out to get you, right? And the audience hates you. And, you know, and yeah, the universe rewards persistence, but it also punishes the stupid. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The universe punishes the stupid. That, that's a huge Yeah, they are. They are uh, plenty, and uh, we are all capable of that level of, you know, of arrogance. Mm. And, uh, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to blow this up. And that's when you got to be the most arrogant. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, who is your target audience for your company, and then how specifically do you know? So. In the last few years, I've been doing a lot of work with the university startups, so technology startups of uh, various kinds. And these are engineers and scientists, PhDs of various kinds, masters in science. You know, they, they went to school to uh, study molecular biology or engineering. They, they didn't go to school to learn to sell. Yet they find themselves in a position where they have to sell in order to move their ideas forward, attract investment dollars, get their first case. Right? So those are my primary targets is that I come in and I help them understand what they're selling and who they're selling to and why people are buying. My, my classic line is most people can tell me what they're selling, but much fewer can tell me why their customers are buying. And so they don't take the time to get into the deep motives that people have when they're buying the product. You know, motives for, for assuaging pain, getting to gain, uh, social motives, emotional motives, various kinds. You know, there's all sorts of different reasons. They haven't gone to that level. It's more or less, you know, when it comes to uh, brand new entrepreneurs for any strike, it doesn't have to be engineers or scientists. It's here's the product, want to buy it? And, and of course, you know, you just can't do that. And right now, uh, I'm involved in, like, I'm a partner in a digital marketing company as well, outside of Strategy Peak. We've got about 25 people there. Uh, we teach uh, brand new merchants how to market on Shopify. Something called socialized communications. Uh, the learning platform is called Merchant Mastery, and you know we are spend so much time 
talking about hooks and big ideas and understanding the customer avatar and really getting into that deep angst, pain, desire for gain to embed that narrative in this in the product story. You know, so that people can see on the instant why they should buy it. It's a, it is an instantaneous emotional response. And most people, when they go out the first time, they don't think in that. They think of, hey, here's the product. Do you want to buy it? And that's not going to work anymore. So do you find that, that people, they just don't really understand, like, what it is they're really selling? Uh, the, the, I think at the very beginning, most people don't. I certainly okay. do. You know, and uh, I have a business degree, and, and they didn't teach me how to sell them in my business. You know, that's kind of silly when you think about it. You know, because until you sell something, you don't have, you, you need to sell something to a customer. That's the only way a business can operate. You need to have a customer. How do you get a customer? You have to sell the customer into the relationship, okay, by offering them some value in a product, whatever it is, right? And so I certainly didn't know anything about that at the age of 22. And, and my knowledge of how that's done today, you know, in my late 50s is night and day different than it was 10 years ago. You know, it's, uh, 20 years ago when I started, 30 years ago when I started in uh, sales, very tactical, super tactical. Today, it's very narrative-oriented because that's how you evoke the emotional attraction uh, to the product service. And then the narrative, you know, positions against the competition and creates all the value propositions to embed emotionally in people's heads so that that natural attraction can take place. Yeah, so I think from my experience, a lot of times, you know, you have your features and your benefits, right, any product. But I think some of the people newer in sales, they're so focused on the features of the product. Instead of like, what's in it for the customer? How is this going to make the customer's life better? Right, uh, and and even if they get to that point, you know, they would fo- they would focus on the functional aspects of the of the product. Right, when you have to have at least three axes, if not more, to really make an impact: function, uh, process, and relationship. And you have to have an emotional embedding in all of those. Function, what can I do? What will this product do for me? Product or service. Uh, process is how will it do it? And relationship is who is behind the product or service and who's going to be doing it with me. You know, it's those three things. And those three things are the critical ones. And beyond that, there's so many other things that are part of it. You know, can I get status out of this? Can I get an absence of fear? Can I get an advance in my ability to think of myself as wealthy? Not even whether I have wealth, but whether I can think of myself as wealthy. And you had all these different things that you would have in all the various axes in this mind, you know, trying to perceive the value in the product you're showing. Now, wouldn't it be easier if I just did a paint by numbers for you instead of the customer trying to figure it out all by themselves? And that's where the real power of a strategic narrative is. So, so let's talk about your, the theme of this show is about the story and Talk about why you feel like stories are so critical to sales success. Well, stories are the only way anybody understands the world. It is the only way. Uh, if you think about anything that you want to communicate to me, you can th- communicate to me in a very like functional manner. But it's until you put it into story form that I truly understand it. Because even if you tell me a function, then I have to project forward as a how am I going to use it? This becomes a story. If I'm not actually using it, it becomes a story. 
after I use it, it becomes a story. <laughs> and the only way we understand our world, the only way I can understand you two guys, you know, the only way I can understand my place in this universe of activity is through the stories that I tell. And in fact, this entire thing uh, is, uh, if you look at the Wikipedia, it's called narrative identity. Narrative identity. And it goes through all these different types of frames of wow, how people tell stories about themselves, their world, and their position within. Yeah, and one thing I know just from the speaking world, one of the things, the stories are memorable. I mean, I know I've done speaking engagements, and I'll see somebody several years later, and they'll remember one of the opening stories I used. So, I mean, that, that's a huge takeaway, uh, just to really get in the habit of really framing everything with a story. Well, modern humans, you know, uh, all the different human uh, instances that came out of Africa, Two million years ago, three million years, two million years ago, you, know, you developed fire. Uh, you not developed fire, you discovered fire. How to control fire specifically, right? Uh, about 30,000 years ago, they started doing uh, cave paintings and such. About 5,000 years ago, they put it into, into uh, actual written story form. And all along, all that way, what were they doing? They were around fire pits, telling each other stories. Stay away from that pond over there at night. The crocodiles come up. You have all these different types of things. Excuse me, my allergies are killing me. <laughs> Give me a second. Okay, so stay away from that pond. And you've got all these different types of things. And, you know, you are communicating not only strategies, but you're also communicating entertainment. You're communicating morals, communicating values. And that's how you embed all of these things in people's heads. Yeah, and I think some of it, too, is I think people resist you just telling them certain things anyway. Right? There's, certain, there's a certain resistance, but I think if you, if you frame it as part of a story, it's a little more acceptable. It's not only acceptable, it's relatable. There you go. Right? It's relatable, it's resonant, it's memorable. You get all these different types of things, and that's how people go forward with the ideas to make sense of their lives. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, so your book is titled The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell. That's the theme of the show. So how did you come up with this idea that there's seven stories that, you know, we, we have these charismatic leaders and we found that they tell these seven specific stories. Like how did you arrive at seven? Uh, I counted. I counted, uh, you know, through the Bible and through all the different stories that people uh, were saying. In fact, religion is one of the most powerful forms of inculcation, right? the most powerful forms of of uh, being able to get people to do what you want them to do. Education, religion is part of it. If you take a look at it, there's about seven basic stories that every major religion teaches its people. Would you like to hear what they are? Absolutely. First of all, creation and origin. Now, how did things start? Uh, two, our identity, beliefs, and values. What are our highest order principles? What do we value the most in life? Who are we as people? Uh, three, the big idea. What is the central organizing principle? All of this is uh, around. Uh, four is the enemy we face. I know what do we fight for? What do we fight against? The mighty winds is uh, story number five. It's all about the things that are in the macro environment that propel our ship forward, our movement forward, our people forward. You know, and these are things that are you know societal, technological, economic, environmental, political, legislative. That are all either you're on trend or off trend. If you're off trend, you got a big uh, number six is the journey we must undertake. And uh, if this is all true, the first five stories are the left side of the equation. 
And if all those stories are true, then it says, then this is what you must do. So this is the journey we have to go on. And the final story is number seven, is why we will win. And so what it does is it combines the previous six stories in a single telling, a short single telling, but then adds what we call keystone elements. The keystone elements guarantee the win for your people. And so common keystones are superior God. Our God is better. Superior technology, superior people, superior strategy, uh, superior, you know, uh, superior environment. It could be all sorts of different things. But these keystones, there's hundreds of them, that will give your people the win. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, so that's interesting. So what, like for entrepreneurs, is there one or two of those that you find to be most effective? Uh, well, the big idea has to be what is the central organizing principle that's going to transform your customer's life from where they are today to where they want to go? So you have to have the big ideas. But you might also want to toss in the enemy we face and the mighty winds. You know, and so now you, the more stories you can tell, the more resonant your narrative becomes in people's heads because people are used to these seven stories. Now, you cannot tell the entire story of the Bible or the Quran, okay, or any other Torah without telling all seven stories. Something would be missing. You know, you can't tell uh, all about, uh, what is it? And all three of those are Abrahamic religions. They go into the father Abraham, right? But they have a start, they have a beginning, they have an end, they have people that they fight, the devil or, or, or the Philistines. It could be a lot of different things, right? And all of these things come together to form the entirety of the universe of that story. It's a story plex. And these stories reinforce each other. They can be standalone, but they also now strengthen the overall narrative, the, the meta-narrative, so that it is resonant in people's heads. Now, Christianity is a little over 2,000 years old. And, you know, and at the very beginning, it was uh, just a band of nuts, zealots, <laughs> these crazy people, right, battling the Romans and fighting against the established Jewish hierarchy. It was an offshoot of Judaism. And it has subsequently become the world's biggest religion. There are 2.1 billion Christians in the world. There are 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. And the Muslims, you know, that were the uh, is, religion of Islam only came about in the six, 600s. You know, the 7th century. Uh, the Prophet only came about in the 600s. And so that is now the second largest uh, religion. And the Jews, where both these religions, you know, took a lot of its initial start from, there's still only 14 million worldwide. There are only 14 million Jews practicing Jews worldwide. How is that possible? And, and beyond that, there are literally thousands of religions. And human civilization has perhaps been around now for 10,000, 12,000 years. Uh, writing has been around for 5,000, and in that time, there have been thousands, absolutely thousands of religions that are gone. You know, and or so small, they are almost inconsequential. Where did they all go? Why did these ones survive? And my premise is that the three dominant religions that people think of as most, right, have the most powerful story. Now, Hinduism has much more, uh, the Hindus have much more people than, than uh, the Jews do, the Judeans, you know, practicing Jews. Uh, but they have very vibrant stories as well. You know, the, the Hindus do, you know, in the Bhagavad Gita, right? 
you've got all these different types of things. Powerful stories. That's what creates the, the tent to be overflowing with people who want to be there because the story is so resonant. It's interesting. So, okay, so we've got some entrepreneurs that are watching us now and they're saying, you know what? I hear this about stories. That's a great idea, but I don't have any stories to tell. What's your advice for that person who feels like they don't have a bank of stories? Okay, Eric, stop lying to me. Stop lying to me. You tell stories all day long. Every day you tell stories, you understand stories, you create stories. Because that's the only way you understand your world. Now, there's a story. There's a creation story between Ted and you. Why is this Why is this uh, podcast happening? You know, there's a reason for it. And Eric's might be different than Ted's. But there's probably commonality here as well. What Eric wants to get out of the podcast may be different than what Ted does. But everybody's telling themselves stories all day long. All I'm going to do is download it from the brain and ask you some very key questions. Yeah, all right, that, that's true. And, and I think um, one of the things that I had to get in the habit of as a speaker was just starting a story file, right? Yeah. So I, was, I, I just always had my antenna. And so there were certain things that would happen that normally I wouldn't pay attention to. But hey, that, that's a story um, that, that could really tie back at some point. So, so I think that one of the key takeaways from this episode is that stories all around us. And uh, story is the only thing there is. That you cannot exist as a human being without being in either somebody else's story or creating the stories yourself. It is the only way we communicate. There is no other way to communicate. Absolutely. And then you mentioned earlier the like the origin story. The origin story, yeah. Creation and I, I, I think that's powerful. Like if you're a CEO, you're if you're able to tell, okay, this, this is how this is the origin of the business. This is how we got to this point. This is how I got to this point. Of, right. Of where I am. Talk, talk more about that. Well, the creation origin story always uh, probably starts with an inciting incident. Every story needs an inciting incident. And so you go through and say, well, at that moment, I realized I couldn't stay here. Mm-hmm. At that moment, I realized there's a huge opportunity. At that moment, I realized whatever it is. And it was that triggering moment, that inciting incident, that is the start of your creation story. Everybody has one. You know, every company has one. Every individual has one. So, yeah. So, definitely, we're talking to Curian Therakin. He's talking about the different types of stories. So, I mean, let's talk more about your book, um, obviously, which is the same as the title of this episode, The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell. Um, talk about, like, how, how does your book help people become better storytellers? Well, they realize that they can be very persuasive people by telling stories. And so I don't teach people how, uh, sales skills I teach people story skills because stories can do the heavy lifting of persuasion for you. Tell a powerful story and you have the proper structure and the proper uh, plot lines and the proper characters to get people to envision themselves in the end result, which is consuming a product. Or getting you know, your product is actually your product is actually something it's not really a product. You know what it is? It's, it's the following. Uh, your customer is actually the hero of your story that you tell about your company. 
So your so what that makes you and, and your customers in some kind of pain or they want to get to some kind of gain and they have their own identity story. They're oh you know the creation story. But they're the hero of the story that you enable. So they're the hero of the story that you enable. What that simply means is that makes you the uh, wise wizard, the fairy godmother. And that makes your products the magic sword, the magic lantern, the magic incantation to enable the promise of your story to come alive for your customer. Right? So that's what it's about. Because the product allows your customer to get to the transformation promised land. That's what your product does. The product itself is a path. It's a magic tool to get them to that end state. So when you tell these stories, you allow them to see the entirety of how it fits to enabling them to get to that end state. And that's awesome. So what are your thoughts about vulnerability Telling stories, telling personal stories of your struggles, your pains, your past setbacks. I, the more authentic you are, the more uh, the more trustable you become. Uh, no one wants to listen. Very few people want to listen to an arrogant bastard. Right? It's not high on the top on top of the list, right? Uh, but you know, the more vulnerable you are, you know, the more relevant, you are, the more realistic you become, uh, the more believable you become. And one of the things I did right at the very beginning of this, and uh, you know, I absolutely believe what I told you, but I thought I think you know, if you ask your audience, they would they say that made him more believable. That, and that was that I said, you know, what I envisioned being a consultant at the age of twenty-two is completely different. You know, there's certainly no celebrity factor to being a consultant, right? And it is the naivety and the arrogance of a twenty-two-year-old kid not knowing what that all meant. And what it took, takes to get there and actually deliver value for a client. That, that, that the gap that creates a vulnerability in that story itself. Right? And that's what would make me more relatable at that point. So I think vulnerability is a, is a big part. People are vulnerable, period. Uh, one would, there is something in their armor that there's a hole in their armor, there's a chink in their armor of some kind. Right, and whether they choose to cover that up or whether they choose to to display it, because you know they they own it, they own that vulnerability. Uh, that's what creates that relatability. Great, that's awesome. So Ted, Ted is great at telling these personal stories about business and the entrepreneur space, and you know, again, I think similar to the consulting thing, you know, just being an entrepreneur, a lot of people. Come into it with uh, rose-colored glasses, and Ted has his different personal. We speak to that, Ted. I mean, you you tell you share a lot of your personal experiences and stories to people. Yeah, well, you know, and being an entrepreneur uh, is always going. You're, you're going to have your uh, experiences, right? And it's and it's how you're able to kind of you know make things happen, make make the magic happen. So it's always some stories kind of behind that on how you do what you do. You know, like one of the things that I often talk about with my team, we're looking at an opportunity and someone will say, don't have past performance in that type of work. We've never done that before. And then I'll say, when I started, I didn't have past performance in anything. 
right? So, you know, it's not the first time I've been up against something that we haven't done before. You know, and, and, and those types of stories and how you deal with these types of situations, you know, when things are not just laid out perfectly for you, those are things that I think help other people because they just figure, you know, we just got all the, the answers. No, we, we just have to figure it out one way or the other. So, no, I think that's a great example. So, yeah, we, we did it before. And I have, I have an example of a story where I've done it before without past performance. So, why can't we do this now? So, I, I think that's excellent. So, what's next on the horizon for you? Well, we're, I'm writing a second book right now. It's called Leadership Parables. And so, the first book gives you a framework uh, for how to tell strategic narratives. So, leaders, how to create a strategic narrative, how to tell a strategic narrative. So the second book now is a whole bunch of uh, of leadership principles uh, in short story form. And sometimes the short short story is like one paragraph, and sometimes it's like you know ten paragraphs, right? But it can it never goes more than two pages ever, and most are done on a single page. So we're going to have about 101 short stories there. Just finished writing my 65th, so another 36 to go, and we'll get that out. Fantastic. So we're, we're talking about leaders and we're talking about the seven essential stories that charismatic leaders tell. But I, but I don't want to assume that everybody really has a picture of what a charismatic leader looks like. So for you, Karen, what, what is a charismatic leader? A charismatic leader is not one, hey, look at me. You know, look how great I am. I'm charismatic. Praise me. You know, no, that's not what a charismatic leader is. A charismatic leader is actually the Charismatic leader gets his audience to come alive, to believe in themselves, to understand where they're going, to have that high energy state from wherever they were today to where they have to be in order to join this leader on that journey. And if it's Tony Robbins, it's just a challenge to be your, your own self. If it's Moses, it's follow me out of, uh, out of Egypt, right? You know, you have to be a charismatic leader now. Now, Moses himself, I don't think he's very charismatic himself. You know, I think his brother Aaron did most of the talking, right? But you know, it was such a powerful story about the promise land. And so, charisma is about getting your audience to come alive. Yeah. And, and I just think that there's some people that you see, there's certain leaders, even if you look at certain former presidents, they seem to have like this, this it factor, right? And when they're standing up there, you just look at them and be like, okay, yeah, we're, is everything going to be okay? You just have this charisma. Yeah, there's safety involved in that. You know, you feel safe in their presence. Uh, you feel energized in their presence. You see a future in their presence. You believe yourself in yourself in their presence. You know, it, it, it's those kinds of things that happen. And when you know charisma when you see charisma. And you know charisma when you feel charisma. So you got to see it and feel it at the same time. And when those things are present, you know, you come alive in that process. Do you feel like, I mean, it, so that's something that you feel that can be developed, that, that charisma? I can, my promise is that I can make anybody more charismatic. Hmm. You know, I, I don't know if you're going, to, you're going to have the power of a Tony Robbins on stage. Uh, or, or a Bill Clinton or a Barack Obama on stage, you know, whether you can have that kind of power. 
but I can definitely make you more charismatic than when you came to me for that very first time. How do I do this? By getting you to, to build, develop, create powerful stories to tell. Then I'm going to show you techniques to tell it. Pause here, enunciate there, right? Put in a personal anecdote. Uh, use gestures. Okay, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I do a lot of uh, podcasts like this. Uh, I do a lot of Zoom um, coaching. I just got off a call uh, with my company. We had probably about 30, 35 uh, Shopify merchants from all over the world, France, Italy, UK, all this kind of stuff. And one of my lines is this, and this is what I do. <laughs> what was my line, right? The spell is cast when you see yourself in the stories they tell. Mm. And the way I do it, now, where's my hand? I, uh, can you see my hand over here? Can you see my hand? Okay, see your hand. Right now here. we can see your hand. Now you can see the hand, right? All right. And the way I do it is this. The spell is cast when you see themselves, when they see themselves in the stories and and so a brilliant, a great, a succinct strategic narrative is casts a spell. It mesmerizes. It creates a state of absolute awe and riveted attention to the story you're telling. So the spell is cast <laughs> just like that when they see themselves in the stories you tell. So the action is just as important as the way I paused and the way I intonated and all that kind of body language is very important. Wow, the, the spell is cast when people can see themselves. When in you the see themselves, when they see themselves in the stories you tell. That's a curing entheric and original. There you go. Yeah, that's powerful. We we need to get to that level where people are visualizing themselves in your story. I think it just makes everything else that much easier. Yeah, it really is. You know, like, uh, and it's when I was a kid, uh, you know, I loved nothing better uh, during November and December than going through the Sears uh, catalog to the toy section. Right? And I may, and I'm, it's just a little ad for a pair of walkie talkies or whatever it is, but I can see myself using those walkie talkies. <laughs> and I keep, I keep coming back to those little sections with the walkie talkies or whatever else, the chemistry set. Whatever it is. So that little ad okay, in the Sears catalog, Christmas edition, was able to cast a spell. Nice, nice. All right. So we are at the final segment of the show. It's called Write This Down. And this is where we each go around and we give at least one insight from today's show that our entrepreneur followers need to write down so they can level up. Curious, you're the guest of honor. We will start with you. What do people need to write down? Most people, most entrepreneurs can tell me what they're selling, but they have much more difficulty in telling me why their customers are buying. Yet that's where all the power lies, all the leverage, all the juice lies in understanding the motives that people have to satisfy when they buy your products. The products and services are simply the tools to enable the promise in the stories that they tell themselves. So people know 
what they're buying, but they, they struggle to know why the customers are buying. Exactly. So we need to really get clear on why the customers really buy. On the motor. There you go. Fantastic. Ted? I think I'm going to touch on that a little bit too. Because I think it's all about communication. And it's, it's about listening, right? You got to listen to the customer, what they're saying and what they're not saying as well, right? You read in between the, the lines. I think I just tell people if you, you do most of the talking, you're going to know only what you went in there uh, with versus getting in there and knowing how to, you know, get that customer engaged to be able to kind of tell you you know, what they're dealing with, what the pain points are, you know, kind of how they, you know, you know what's driving them to, you know, to, to buy. And I think once you have the, you know, that ability, I think that, I think the best communicators are some of the best at selling. If you can work on those communication skills and you know, it's, it's not why you want to buy, you know, you, why you think they should buy it. It's really trying to really, you know, get an understanding of why, you know, they should buy. Yeah, communication skills are key. How do you communicate what you're offering? If you, you communicate it in such a compelling way that they really get that. So now, great, great point, great point. Uh, so my write this down, uh, it has to do with an experience I had. I was at, I remember I was at a conference several years ago. You know, at a conference, you have all these speakers, right? And so most, for most speakers, everybody's getting up, going to the bathroom, looking for, what I'd like to do is I like to look around the room. That, that's how I can tell how the speaker's doing. I look around the room, see what everybody's doing. So everybody's walking around, going to the bathroom. They're on their smartphone, they're texting. This one speaker came up, and literally, you didn't see. You looked around, you didn't see anybody on their phone. They were just like tuned into him. Nobody's walking around. And, and after he spoke, everybody everybody made this rush to the restroom. Like it's like they had to go. But what he was saying was so captivating. Wow. Like, I'm just going to hold it until he finishes. I'm just going. I'm just going to tap dance at this table. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Wow. But, that's but the, charisma. That's, that's exactly. That's the takeaway that you can't underestimate the power of having charisma. And any, I think that should be a takeaway for the show that you we should be working to develop and improve our charisma because, like Kieran said earlier, it's not just something you have or you don't. That's something that you can develop. So you, you need to reach out to Curian and start taking the steps to become more charismatic where people just stop what they're doing. They put their phone away just to listen to what it is that you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Well, certainly, I uh, definitely want to thank Curian for coming on and sharing all this great information on becoming more charismatic and telling stories and moving people through persuasion. So how can people best contact you? To get come, to my, come to my website, strategypeak.com. So strategy and then Mount Peak, it's all one word, strategypeak.com. And all my contact details are at the bottom. Strategypeak.com. And then if people want to get this great book, The Seven Essential Stories, Charismatic Leaders Tell. Yeah, it's available on Amazon.com, all the Amazon.ca.com, Japanese, it's all over the place. <laughs> And, and uh, you can download the Kindle book for three dollars and ninety nine cents. It's, it's three forty nine actually. It'll save you fifty cents. Uh, so it's uh, it's meant to just get the book out there so that people can 
understand that these frameworks are very available to you. Absolutely. All right. Well, again, thank you, Curie and Therakan, for sharing everything that you shared. This has been a great episode. I'm going to work on my storytelling. That great. is terrific. That is terrific. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so and, and, for, and for everyone else, don't forget that you can go to Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and any of those places you consume podcasts and listen to a replay of this episode. This is definitely one you want to rewind and stop, take notes, uh, and, and really can help you to take things to the next level. And that's our time for this week on the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. Don't forget to share the show. Share the show. Share the show. All right. You know, it's interesting. We got a we have a Facebook user that says, "I need to speak to this man immediately." So you might want to put that say that one more time, Karen. This is a strategypeak.com. Strategypeak.com. All my contact details are there. There you go, Facebook user. Get to him. Strategypeak.com. Check him out. All right. That's our show this week. And until next time, have a great one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 30-Minute Hour Podcast. We need your help to grow the show. One of the best ways that you can help us is by leaving both a rating and a review. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any of those other podcasting platforms and leave us a rating and a review. We've got a bonus that we're running for this month, a special bonus that if you take a screenshot of that rating and review and you email it to eric at ericmtwiggs.com, you get entered into a special drawing where you can win a free copy of my book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. And then lastly, don't forget to share the show. That's right, share the show. Share this show with someone in your network who you know will benefit from the message. Again, I thank you for listening. And remember, don't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress.